Good morning and welcome to the River of Life Sunday Morning Podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. Our Sunday morning services begin at 9 and 11 o'clock. May God bless you and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Are you ready for the Word of God? I tell you, I'm excited about the message that God has placed upon my heart uh, for this service. Last weekend, I told you a story about an experiment where there was a gorilla right in the middle of the room. And a lot of people couldn't see the gorilla because they were told to focus on something else. And when you're focusing on something, sometimes you can have something right in front of you and not even see it. And uh, I've, uh, I- I've kind of had my eyes open this year. I-, I started at the first of the year, and I'm reading through my Bible, but I'm doing it in a version, a translation of the Bible that I don't normally read. And it's certainly not one I would use as a study Bible, but I, I wanted to go through the Bible in a translation I'd never read all the way through with. And so I started reading... And, and I got to tell you, I started seeing things that I had not seen in the past. I, I guess the words are different. Uh, the phrases are different. I, I wasn't, and I'm still not completely comfortable with the way things are stated. But I, I do want to tell you that, that I'm seeing some things I haven't seen before. And I'm seeing some emphasis in the Word of God that I've not seen before. So what I want to do is I want to share with you something that I feel like the Holy Spirit has highlighted for me, and I think it'll be a blessing for you, that I've never noticed before, never placed any emphasis on it. And and I'm talking about something that deals with our relationship with God and how we interact with Him, uh, something that I believe brings heaven down to earth, it, it receives answers when we do this, and sometimes it's the only way we can get answers from heaven. Now, the titles just about tells the whole story, so here it is, and I want you to promise me when you see this title that you will not jump up and run out of the building. All right, you got to give me some time, so don't run. Here's the title, Arguing with God. Now, I, I, I mean, I know that that may seem ridiculous to even use such a title, but I think it has biblical merit, and that's what I want to point out to you in this service. Arguing with God. Now, before I do, I want to ask you, don't raise your hands, but do we have any arguers here in this service? People who enjoy arguing. You, you do know that some people enjoy arguing. They do. Um, I see a guy every now and then that kind of enjoys it when I look in the mirror. <laughs> so, so, are you an arguer? Do you like to argue your case? Do you like to present your point of view? Do, do, do you like to, to debate things? And, and stand your ground, and if you think you're right, never move, and just, just hold on. You know, I mean, I've known people, if they didn't think they were right, they would argue. Uh, years ago, 
before my grandmother Jones passed away, if you got in an argument with her and you started getting the best of her, one of her favorite sayings was this, don't confuse me with the facts. I, I really, I don't like that either. If I'm arguing with somebody, I don't like them to confuse me with the facts. And, uh, and so, uh, but here's what I want to say, and this may shock you a little bit. If you are willing to argue, and I'm not talking about being mean or ugly or angry or unchristian in, in any sense of the word, but if you are willing to passionately passionately present your case. If you're willing to do that, that could very easily work in your favor with your relationship with God. I'm talking about arguing with God. Now, this may surprise you. It's all over the Bible. And again, this is something that never stood out to me until I started reading it in another translation. It's all over the Bible. There are times in the Bible when God says no. And then somebody argues with God, and that no gets completely reversed and turned into a yes. I'll show you in just a moment. There, there are times in the Bible where God says somebody's going to die. Or maybe a whole group of people are going to die. And, and then there is this passionate argument, and then it all gets reversed, and God comes back and says, okay, you're not going to die. And I'm not going to wipe the nation out. And, and there are times in the Bible when God says that he's going to do something or he's not going to do something. And then there's this passionate exchange, this argument, if you please. Again, I'm not talking about me and mean or ugly or hateful or unchristian. But there's this passionate argument. And then God comes back and says, okay, I won't do it. Or yes, I will do it. So, I know you need something to back this up. So, let's get started. God got so angry with the children of Israel after he brought them out of Egypt that he told Moses, this is what he said, my anger is burning against them. And then God says, whatever translation, you can read all of this later, God says, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to destroy the whole nation. I'm done with them. I'm not talking about beating around the bush. God says, I'm going to destroy them. And, and what Moses does is he starts arguing with God. Moses says to God, listen to this. This is a pretty good argument. Moses said, so you're going to kill them all? God says, yes, I'm going to wipe them all out. I'll just start over with you. And Moses said, well, that's really going to make you look good, isn't it? Now remember, this is Moses talking to God. That's really going to make you look good, isn't it? You brought them out of Egypt, and now you're going to kill them in the desert. And Moses even said, what will the Egyptians say? What kind of God is that? He delivers them out of Egypt, and then he kills them all in the desert. Moses says, God, this is not going to make you look good. Now, you can turn that any way you want to, but Moses is using an argument. He's using some real logic to get God's attention. And so God changes his mind. 
uh, Exodus 32, 14 says, So the Lord changed his mind. Say, changed his mind. Now, I don't know how that figures into the sovereignty of God. Maybe God knew he was going to change his mind before he changed his mind, so he didn't change his mind after all. It was all, I don't know. You got me? That's over my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful. It is high. I cannot attain unto it, the psalmist once said. But I can tell you, it says, so the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Now, that's not the end of the story. So God agrees with Moses. Moses wins the argument, and God says, okay, I won't kill him. But he said, I'm going to send them into the promised land, and I'm not going with them. And Moses said, no, no, that's not acceptable. No. Moses says to God, if you're not going with us, we're not going. If you're not going with us, if you won't go with us, then we're not going. God says, okay, I won't kill them, but I'm also not going with them. Do you know why God said he wouldn't go with them? Because he said, I'm confident. (laughs) Now, I'm paraphrasing, but it's there. God says, I'm confident that if I go with them, I'm going to get mad with them and kill them before it's over with. (laughs) That's what God says. And Moses says, no, that's not acceptable. Moses said, it's your presence that sets us apart. If you're not going with us, we don't want to go. Here it is. Exodus thirty-three, fifteen through 17. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and our people if you don't go with us? For your presence, I love this, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Do you understand the presence of God sets us apart? And then verse 17, the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Now hold on. God says, I'm going to kill him. Moses says, you can't do that. It's going to make you look bad. God says, well, I'm not going with you. Moses said, nope. Nope, that won't work either. He's arguing with Almighty God. And I got to tell you, from everything I find in the story, God was pleased with the fact that he was willing to argue with God. It's not the only place in the Bible. If, 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 if that was the only one, then we might assume there was some breakdown in translation, but it's not. How about this? God sends Isaiah to tell King Hezekiah To get his house in order, he is going to die. God sends the prophet Isaiah. What a mighty man of God. You're going to die. And so Isaiah goes to the the, uh, uh, courtyard, and, and then he goes in to the king's palace, and Isaiah tells Hezekiah, God says, get your house in order. You're going to die. Now, by the way, friends, when God says you're going to die, there's a pretty good chance you're going to die, right? I mean, wouldn't you think? I mean, if God says, get your house in order, you're going to die, then, I mean, this is not good. Now, Hezekiah could have responded this way. Well, God says I'm going to die, I guess that's it. I don't have, uh, what can I say? He's God. God says what he means, he means what he says, so I'm going to die. 
And, and then Hezekiah could have been spiritual about it and said, well, praise God, at least he's giving me time to get my house in order. That's what he could have said. But even though God said, you're going to die, Hezekiah did not receive that word. And, and, and the Bible tells us that Hezekiah started arguing with God and started pleading his case with Almighty God. Puny, little, insignificant, mortal man arguing with all-powerful, all-knowing, mighty God. But he argued with God. This is what he said, 2 Kings 20, verse 3. He said, Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleased you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. He's saying, God, you need to remember what I've done. He, he got passionate about this. And, 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 and here's the beautiful thing about it. Before Isaiah got out of the courtyard, God said to Isaiah, turn around. <laughs> turn around, you've got to go back. Tell him he's not going to die. Tell him I've heard his prayers and I've seen his tears. Now, I've got to tell you, you take any theological viewpoint you want, but I believe had Hezekiah received that word, he would have died. I believe he argued with Almighty God and he won the argument. And God heard him. Now, uh, again, I want you to remember, when I use the word argue, I'm not talking about anything ugly or unchristian at all. I'm talking about a passionate presentation of your own case before the Lord. <clears throat> the one in Scripture that I love better than all the others is what happened at the marriage of Cana of Galilee. You remember? Jesus and his disciples go to the wedding. And his mother is there, and obviously she has a leadership role in this wedding celebration. And when Jesus and his disciples get there, his mother comes up to him. Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes up to him, and she says this. She says, all the wine is gone. We're out of wine. Now, in our culture, that may not mean a lot, but that was unacceptable in their culture. And uh, so said, we're, we're, we're out of wine. And I want you to listen to how Jesus responds to her. This is John 2, verse 4. Very respectfully, dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Now, we don't have any record of her arguing, but I'm pretty sure she did. If not with her words, with her eyes. Mothers have a way of looking at you. And I don't know, she might have said something like this. Maybe she didn't say anything. Maybe she said it all with her eyes. But I have to laugh when I think about this as she looks at Jesus who's saying, this is not my problem and it is not my time. And I see her looking at him and with her eyes she's saying, I am your mother. 
I changed your diaper. I fed you. I've done a thousand things that you wanted me to do just because you wanted me to do them. Jesus said, this is not my problem. It's not my time. And his mother looked at him. And then she turned and looked at the servants and she said, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. She knew she had him. She knew she had won the argument. Now, I get carried away with my interpretations of Scripture sometimes, but I can't help but believe that the disciples were standing around him just kind of chuckling a little bit. (laughs) You know, what are you going to do now? (laughs) May not be your time, but that's your mother. (laughs) I kind of believe Jesus laughed. And I think he probably looked at those servants and said, go fill up the water pots. And thus the beginning of miracles for the ministry of Jesus took place and it did not take place because it was the right time. It did not take place because it was of eternal significance. It took place because there was personal significance. And his mother requested it. I tell you, this is, this is some good stuff. Yeah. Moses argued with God twice and won. Hezekiah was told he was going to die. And he argued with God. And it got reversed. Mary did not say to her own son, whom she knew to be the Son of God, virgin born. Mary did not say, okay. She didn't say, okay. You know best. She looked at those servants and she said, Do whatever he tells you to do. Do you understand where I'm coming from? She argued with God. She pleaded her case. She made a passionate request. And it happened. The the story in the scriptures, here's another one that I, I love. This is a Gentile woman who comes to Jesus about her uh, demon-possessed daughter and, and she requests that Jesus heal her daughter. You, you remember the story. Here it is, Mark seven twenty-seven through 29. Jesus told her, first, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And, and, and I know that may sound harsh to us, but friends, What Jesus was saying is, I'm on a mission to the Jewish nation and and it's it's not right to take their food and give it to the dogs. Let me say it this way. This may help you. Uh, Jesus was saying, it's not right to take food from the children that are starving to death and feed the dogs. If you had a child in your home that was starving to death, would you take the food and give it to the dogs? No. No. Would you take it and give it to somebody across town? No, you feed, you feed your children. And that's what Jesus was saying. And this woman could have said, okay, I understand, that makes sense. But, but you can't blame me for trying. But that's not what she said. Um, and verse 28, she replied, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. I love what Jesus said. 
good answer. <laughs> That's a good answer. He said, now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. I, I, could it be that we've learned to be too passive? Could it be that we don't know how to storm the gates of heaven anymore? Could it be that we don't know how to take our case and plead it before Almighty God? Could it be that we've ignored what happened with Moses, what happened with Hezekiah, what happened with Jesus at the wedding, and so many more places in Scripture? Could it be that we've just kind of resigned ourselves? If it's God's will, then it's God's will. Oh, friends, I'm just telling you, that's not biblical. God wants children that are passionate. God wants children who are seeking Him and pleading their case and crying out to God. There's not a parent among us who has not given in to a persistent child for no reason other than the fact that we just love them. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you know that Jesus taught us in the New Testament to never give up? Jesus taught us to pray and seek God with an attitude that we will not take no for an answer. You remember the story? Jesus said there was an unjust judge. He said he had no regard for God and he had no regard for people. He didn't care about God, didn't care about people. He was, wicked. He was a wicked judge. But there was a woman, and, and she, was, she wanted some justice. She wanted this judge to avenge her, but he wouldn't. And so she keeps on and on and on and on. And and, and that's where we'll pick up the story. Luke 18, verse 5 through 7. (laughs) But this woman is driving me crazy. I wonder how many men have said that through the years. (laughs) This woman is driving me crazy. By the way, happy Father's Day, guys. And guys, you may not like this, but you know what I'm telling you is the truth. There's something about a persistent woman that gets things done. You're going to take that trash out. Or I'm going to worry you to death. You're going to sweep that carport off. I'm telling you, a, a man will say something and he goes on to something else. Not a woman. No, sir She made up her mind. She's staying right there until it gets done. (laughs) But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see. Now, remember, this is the unjust judge. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. (laughs) Then the Lord said, listen to what the Lord said. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him? Listen, not just say a puny little prayer and go on, but cry out to him. Say it with me. Day and night. That's arguing your case. 
That's going after heaven and refusing to let go day and night. Will he keep putting them off? And the answer is no. Here's another scripture that I've tied to this, even though it's not as clear as others, but Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm telling you, God wants us to be diligent. He wants us to be passionate. He wants us to argue our case. He wants us to present our needs. He wants us to get before him. There's something about arguing God that, that says that we actually believe that he is God and that he can do anything according to his will. Now, I know what you may be thinking. You may be thinking, well, pastor, that's well and good. But what if I don't have a case? What, what, what if I'm not like Hezekiah who said, I've been faithful to you, Lord? What, what if I don't have a case? What if I don't have a leg to stand on? How can I argue with God? L- listen, you may not have a case, but you can still argue. L- let me tell you. Now, I'm sure this will be a gross exaggeration for all of us here, but, but I'm going to do it anyway. Here, I'm gonna, I want to tell you how to argue with God. Can I give you, can I give you an, uh, an example of how to argue with God? Here's the way it goes. Now, you, I mean, you have nothing to stand. I told you, this is an exaggeration. I'm sure it won't apply. Okay, here it goes. Dear Lord, I'm a dirt bag. I'm a failure. I've failed at everything I've ever done. I'm never able to keep my commitments. I keep falling back into the same sins and weaknesses. I'm the worst of the worst. I understand why you might not want me, God, because I don't even want me. But, Lord, you said in your word that you came into this world to save sinners, and I am a sinner. You said you came into this world to bind up the brokenhearted. And my heart's not just broken, it's obliterated. It's devastated. You said you came into this world to set the captives free and to open prison doors. Lord, I am hopelessly bound. All right, get ready now. Here it is. Lord, just think about how good it would make you look if you save somebody as sorry as me. (laughs) Hey, I'm convinced. I don't want to insult you, but I'm convinced that most of us have a real inflated concept and idea of who we are. Lord, just think about how good it would make you look if you saved somebody as sorry as me, if you took this sorry good-for-nothing a person and made something beautiful out of my life. Lord, this is my argument. This is my argument, Lord. This is what I want. I want to be your poster child. I want to be an example of extreme salvation and restoration. 
I, 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 I want my picture to go on the board when people talk about the extremes of salvation. Lord, in Jesus' name, I need your help. And I don't have a case. So the only argument I have is what you said you came to do. And I'm claiming that argument. I want to ask you a question. What do you think would happen uh, in our lives if we got before God sometimes and argued like that? If we claimed his word? I, I just want to encourage you. I think we need to start arguing with God. Now, I do want to caution you. <laughs> you want to be careful now. <laughs> Don't overstep your boundaries. Don't do that. Uh, argue with God, but you better do it from a vantage point of humility. Uh, by the way, it's all through the Bible. Jacob wrestled with the Lord, didn't he? And won. And got blessed. Abraham bargained with God and, and kept winning. I, every now and then I hear somebody say, you can't bargain with God. Yes, you can. There are people all over the Bible who bargained with God. God won't see how passionate you are. But by the way, if you're going to wrestle with the Lord, if you're going to argue with the Lord, if you're going to bargain with God, you need to do it from a vantage point of humility. Do you remember Abraham? I love his story. The the Lord comes and and the Lord says, if I find 50 people, I won't destroy the city. You remember that? And Abraham said, well, well, Lord, what about 45? And the Lord just said, if I find 50, I won't destroy the city. And then there's an immediate change. Okay, Abraham, for 45. Well, what about 40? And, And then, but all through this dialogue, Abraham says, Lord, I am but, I'm but dust before you. I'm nothing. Please don't be angry with me. But what about 30? And he just keeps whittling it down until he got all the way down to 10. I'm just telling you, friends, that be humble and go after the Lord and, and argue your case. Did you know that there is a place in the Old Testament where God actually invites us to argue with him? You're probably familiar with it. It's in, I'm not going to read it to you, but it's in Isaiah, the first chapter, where God says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. If you look that word reason together, you know what it means? It means to enter into a reciprocal argument, a a reciprocal exchange. God says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. God said, let's talk this thing out. Let's debate this thing. Let's reason with one another. And and then, I love this, he said, let us reason together, saith the Lord. And then the Lord gives his side of the argument. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat of the good of the land. But that's not where it stops. It says, but if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. Oh, friends, God invites us to argue with him. But I got to tell you this. If you're going to enter into this dialogue, don't just be humble. Listen up. If you're going to argue with God, you need to listen to his side of the argument. And just in case you haven't figured this out, he's almost always right. (laughs) 
I guess he's always right, isn't he? But if he changes his mind uh, or, or makes an exception, the more you listen to him, the more he will listen to you. I want to go back and pull this up. This is verse 17 uh, when I was reading about the story of Moses. This is what it says. It says, The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked. Do you see this? For I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Do you understand that Moses won these arguments because God looked favorably upon him, and God knew him by name? You say, doesn't God know everybody by name? Not like he knew Moses. I believe God wants us to be so intimate with him, so connected with him, so conversational with him that he looks favorably upon us and he knows us by name. Really, when was the last time you got in an argument with God? I I do think that we have received some theology that could be damaging that where we just automatically surrender to the will of God. And you say, well, pastor, that, how can you not surrender to the will of God? Well, I don't know. But when God says, I'm going to kill all the, the Israelites, Moses didn't surrender to that. He argued the case. When God said, I'm not going with you, he didn't surrender to that. He argued the case. Do you understand when when Isaiah said to Hezekiah, you're going to die? He didn't surrender to that. He argued the case. Now, in the end, we know that God is a sovereign God, and, and, and if God does not move at all, that's fine. But I wonder how many times God would have intervened in our lives. I guarantee you there's somebody here. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's finances. Maybe... I don't know, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's something broken, but I guarantee you just about all of us have something that we desperately need God to do. We need him to step in. We need that. But we're just kind of passively waiting. I'm asking you, why don't you start pleading with God? Why don't you tell God how wonderful it would be if he saved your boy or saved your daughter? Or if if God paid off all your bills. I don't know. I don't know what your needs are. But I've seen it happen before. I've seen crazy things happen before. Oh, friends, I, again, I I keep saying this. I'm, I'm trying to keep myself out of trouble. But I'm not talking about being mean, ugly, hateful, or, or sinful, or unchristian in any way. But I'm, I'm telling you, there is a relationship with God where we can argue with God and debate with God and get answers that many of us may not be getting right now. Would you bow with me in prayer? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. When was the last time you pleaded your case before Almighty God? Some of you may be doing it every day, and God bless you, but some may not be. I just want to encourage you. Don't don't be timid. Do it with humility. But maybe it's time to start arguing your case before the Lord. God loves that when you do that. Father, 
we bow before you right now. And we just ask you to have mercy upon us. Forgive us, Lord. And, and Lord, I thank you that you're opening my eyes to some things I've never seen before in Scripture. And I ask you, Lord, to bless this church to do the same. Show us things, Lord, that will make a difference in the way we pray and the way we interact with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.